0: the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Bryant, and today we are listening to episode 56, The Extraordinary Value of Ordinary Motherhood. My guest today is Courtney Rysik. She's an author and speaker, wife and mama to four little boys. Courtney was born in California, but raised in Texas. And after studying at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where she met her husband, Daniel, they now live in Little Rock, Arkansas together, where they are also members of Midtown Baptist Church, where her husband serves as an elder and she helps to lead the women's ministry. Courtney is a speaker and writer. She has authored two books, both of which we are going to be talking about today. The first one is called Glory in the Ordinary, Why Your Work in the Home Matters to God. The second one is called Accidental Feminist, Restoring Our Delight in God's good design. I invited Courtney onto the podcast to address these issues of identity and motherhood because I find that a lot of women now who are raising young children have come home from the workforce and are not quite sure of where they're supposed to land, what their purpose is, and how they're supposed to move forward in serving God with their natural gifts while being a mother. I mean, we kind of know that it's not really possible to do it all But do we? Do we say that? Do we think that? And do we act very differently? It's difficult to reconcile all of the good things that we wanna do as moms, am I right ladies? Because there are so many good things to do. But when we are able to settle our hearts on the goodness of the work, the less than glorious jobs that domestic life has to offer, we can find ourselves asking, well, isn't there more to this, or aren't I supposed to be happier? Listen in on my conversation with Courtney Reisick on how to find that extraordinary value in ordinary motherhood. Courtney, welcome to the Practical Family Podcast. It's so great to have you on today. Thanks for having me. So I first heard about your first book, Glory in the Ordinary, from another mom friend of mine. I was actually working with my friend, Gina, who runs um, mom.com. And she's like, Jen, have you read this book yet? <laughs> this is right exactly where we are as moms who are coming home from you know, the career world or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And I said, no, I haven't. And it took me a little while because I feel like, okay, I, you know, when you know you need to read a book yes, yes. and you just, yeah. you keep putting it off because you're, maybe your mind or your heart is not quite ready for it. I needed this book way back years ago. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you put it out. So Courtney, tell us a little bit about your book, Glory in the Ordinary.
1: Yeah. So I needed the book too, which is why I wrote it. I often joke that my husband would be a better homemaker than I am. So it's just not something that I naturally gravitated towards. And so I struggled a lot with seeing how ordinary mundane work had value in God's sight. So it's part of a larger struggle in just our family in general of seeing how all work has value. And so as I've had to come to see how non-vocational ministry works, so my husband is in business, but both of us, we met in seminary. So we're both seminary trained. And so full-time vocational ministry was our goal our life looks different than that. And so how does all work matter to God? And then if I apply it in smaller terms and more like honing in on where I'm at, I stay home. And so how does what I do every day matter to God? And so that's kind of where that was born out of is I just had to see how work mattered, how work mattered as a whole. And then because of that, once I saw how work mattered as a whole, then I was able to see that we work because we're image bearers, not because we're being compensated or because of how the world defines the goodness of work. And so sweeping the floor is work. Doing laundry is work. And that's good work because work is ultimately about loving our neighbor and ultimately about loving the world that God has made. And so when we do that, we're bringing glory to him. And so I would love to say that I always find great joy and purpose and meaning in everything that I do, but it's still an ongoing struggle. But it was so helpful for me to wrap my mind around those things because it's where I live every day. I live in the mundane. I live in, I mop the floors and then two two hours later, someone spilled milk on them. And that feels like it was done in vain, but it wasn't done in vain because cleaning the floors serves the people in my home and the people matter to God fundamentally seeing how our work matters because we are created in God's image to rule and reign over his creation. And we do that through our work is just helps has helped transform how I view what I do, both inside the home and outside of the home, um, whether I'm speaking or writing or whether I'm folding laundry. So that's kind of why I wrote it as a lecture to myself.
0: <laughs> and aren't those the best books, the ones that we need first? Yeah, I connected with your story at the beginning about talking with the woman on the plane, and uh, she asked you, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, do I say that I'm a stay-at-home mom, or do I say that I'm a writer?" You know, we're we're constantly yeah. pulled between um, which title will bring us the most value in that moment. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> I'm constantly I I feel pulled between that, and then well, but but God, I need to be humble. So, and and you're going to lift me up. So. So what does that look like then when you start to explain to people, well, what is it that you do? Because now you're a published author. I mean, you've, you've published a couple of books. I mean, do you still deal with that and, and how to answer real people in everyday life?
1: Yeah, I do. I've, now that my kids are in school, so my twins, I have twins who are six, and they're in school. And I even just came up, with, uh, up against this the other day. I was in, at their Valentine's Day party, and I was talking to a mom, and um, she's an ER physician. She was asking me if I stayed home. And I, I felt this like twinge of like, I don't have anything to say about what I do. And I was like, why do I feel that way? I mean, it's it doesn't, it, it really, in the grand scheme of things, it's irrelevant. And then I think I, so I struggle with it still a fair, a fair amount. Do I have something to say about what I do to people when they ask? Um, but I think another component for myself, because the other side of the work that I do is Christian work. Um, but I'm in non-Christian settings with my kids being in school, and so I either tell them I stay at home, or I say I write for Christian publications, and that all of that seems weird. So it's been good for me to have to to re remind myself of that of what's true and what God's Word says is true about work. So yeah, I still struggle with it because whenever I am traveling, which is not too often, but when I do travel, it's often to go speak at a conference or a women's event or um, like a women's retreat, and so I often am going to teach the Bible, and so. I either say I teach the Bible or I say I stay home with my four children and people think four children is an insane amount of children, which it's not. It's good for me because I struggle a lot with fear of man. And so I have to remind myself that what I'm doing is good work.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. That that it comes back to, you know, fi- finding our identity in what we do, right? Is Oh my gosh. Yes, it's, absolutely. Yeah. is constant. It's constant for anybody and everybody, I think, whether you stay home with your kids or not. So Because our audience, Courtney, is mostly homeschool moms right now or mothers who are um, sort of taking a break from the career world or their, um, you know, what we used to call our real jobs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I need to do a podcast on this too because the glory that we find in our God-ordained roles as women is valuable. And so let's hit on this uh, for a second, and then I want to take us t- into the topic of your second book about yeah. feminism, because I feel like the topics are intertwined in kind of a kind of a tense way for a lot of Christian women. So so let's talk about that. The value of our work at home, the three ways that you've talked about that we bring the image of our Creator into our home. Can you talk a little bit about those three? Valuable ways that we make a difference. Yeah, so the
1: creation mandate when God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth, He was telling them to rule and to reign over the world that He had made. And so we see that so fundamentally in, in work. I started reading a book by Andy Crouch called Culture Making, and he talks about this as well that being an image bearer, of God, um, He rules and He creates. And so as His image bearers, we rule and we create. And so we rule in bringing order out of chaos. The world is chaotic. And so we rule in the many spheres that we're doing that. And so in the home, when you think about it, in the work of the home, you're bringing order out of chaos by mowing the grass or pulling weeds or cleaning up after someone has a stomach flu or doing laundry. Laundry feels like this perpetual thing that I never have done. I'm actually staring at a laundry basket right now. You can't see it, but it's right in front of me or cleaning the bathrooms. I, uh, I often use that example primarily because I have four sons and so bathrooms are a perpetual mess, but it, it, but you're bringing order out of chaos. And so some people could say, oh, well, that's just being really clean, but, but not really, because when you think of, especially, I mean, in, in, we live in modern society where we're not dying from illnesses, from lack of cleanliness, but lack of cleanliness hurts people. There are people who don't feel comfortable and feel at home in, in a disorderly space. And so this is not saying that you have to have a home that can be on the cover of Real Simple Magazine or Southern Living, but it is saying that order out of chaos in whatever sphere of work that you're in is part of being an image bearer of God. And so it's just taking some of the broader themes of the creation mandate and applying it to the work of the home. When you think of creating, and meeting the needs of others. So in creation and meeting the needs of others, you're taking so cooking, for example, you're taking the raw materials of your ingredients and you're creating. Um, But work is not just for the sake of creating work is for the sake of loving the world that God has made. So you're being fruitful. You're loving his creation. And so I talk in the book about loving your neighbor. And often we think about neighbor love as loving someone who maybe lives in like a homeless shelter across town or loving our physical neighbor who lives in the home right next to us but when Jesus talks about your neighbor he drives it home to to basically making us ask well who is the, the they wanted to do the bare minimum and we when we ask who our neighbor is we really want to know the bare minimum of service a neighbor is anyone who's in close proximity to you so who's in the closest proximity to you well the people in your home are so whether it's guests who are coming into your home whether it's your elderly parents or your children or your Spouse, part of loving others in your work is meeting their needs, meeting their physical needs, and so that is God-like. Uh, it's incredibly God-like because that's what God does: is He meets our needs. And you think of so often, we think of God meeting needs in such grand ways, um, and God does sometimes. I, I've used this example a lot. Sometimes God does rain manna down from heaven for people. But more often than not, he's meeting physical needs through a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that is him meeting the needs of people. That's good work. It's because medi- God loves the world that he's made. That goes along with like the ultimate purpose is loving and meeting the needs of others. And then we are fruitful and multiplying. We are making order out of chaos and we're creating out of raw materials imaging God by loving the world that he's made.
0: Oh, it's it's beautiful, Courtney. Thank you. Talk about purpose, right? Even repurposing how we see work, and more specifically, the work that's being done in this home. I love how in the book you talked about the the stereotypical stay-at-home mom is like on a perpetual vacation, and that's how the world tends to see it. Oh, like you're, you're blessed to be able to stay at home. I'm over here and I have to work. Actually, I'd rather be working. So I don't know what you're doing at home all day, but I'm over here actually making a difference in the world. And then, and then these, you know, we rise up and goes Christian women. It's like, whoa, you have no idea what I'm having to do at home. What I'm having to maintain. Actually, it's always, you never get to leave work because it's all right here in front of you. So because of the 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 vastness of the work of a stay-at-home mom, and especially, add, add to that formula, if she's homeschooling, and so then she's wearing all these hats and being seen as, wow, you, you have to do it all. And then add to it people like you and I, who are communicators and writers, like, okay, seriously, girlfriend, you must be, like, neglecting a whole lot of things if you're trying to do this and that at the same time. But, but let's help to debunk those, those stereotypes real quick about what it means to actually uh, be home, be using your gifts, and also be making a huge difference in the lives of your kids.
1: Yeah. So this is something I'm really passionate about because I feel like a lot of women heap a lot of burden on themselves that is not necessarily biblical and a lot of burden on what they expect a stay-at-home mom should and shouldn't do. I was just talking with a friend about this yesterday. Well, when you look at the history of women throughout all cultures at all time, the way we do parenting in America is largely solo mom and dad. And so we have expectations on a mother to do uh, uh, everything. And when historically women have never done everything the way that we are expecting them to do it. And so I have a chapter in the book on community. There's a couple of things that I think kind of help debunk the myth. So the first for me is that your husband is a contributor to the work of the home. So the work of the home is not solely for the woman. It's not women's work. It's the whole family's work. So I have four sons. And so I'm not raising my boys to see the home is something that women do and What Daddy does, well, they still say it, but Daddy makes the money and Mommy does something. But so, but we're trying to raise them to see the home as as contribution. So I am the primary parent in the home because I'm the one who stays home. But my husband is just as responsible for the the well being of our home as I am. It just it just looks different in how he does he doesn't he does a lot, but obviously he doesn't spend his whole day here. So. That's a big one is we have created an expectation of women that the men don't do anything and the women do everything. And that there are not job descriptions in scripture that men can't cook or clean or even care for their own children. Um, And in fact, that's not historically even how things have worked out. I mean, I I read somewhere that Jonathan Edwards homeschooled his children. And so we have to understand what we are imposing on ourselves as cultural recognizing that men and women are contributors to the work of the home because men and women are contributors to the good of the world. And so figuring out that balance is really helpful. The second thing I think is not only letting your husband help because he's a contributor, but letting others help because not only have men been involved in some capacity in the work of the home. I mean, even like 150 years ago, everything happened in the home. Women did some things in the home. Men did some things in the home because your whole focus of your life was in your home. You worked out of your home. Everyone did. So it just looks different. Um, But also parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and other moms were always in community with you. And so parenting has often been one where oh, you need someone to hold your baby for you? Okay, here, take my baby and I'm going to do this with these other. Like this is always a community effort. And even women, I've known women who've gone and done cross-cultural work overseas. And it's generally expected that you have someone in your home helping you. And it's not just because you're wealthy. It's because that's what people do. And the women who see American women coming into these contexts, trying to do it all, they feel sorry for them because they're trying to do everything. Again, debunking what's physical and what's cultural is really helpful for women. So one of the ways I do it, I have a sitter who comes to my house one morning, early afternoon a week. So she stays for like six hours. That's how I do it. That helps me. Um, last year, we did Mother's Day. out. Two of my kids are in school. Next year, three of my kids will be in school. And there's things that I do to unload some of that burden, recognizing that I am I am I'm one human being and utterly incapable of doing everything on my own. And it's hard. I would love to be super mom, but that's not biblical. So yeah. And I think everyone has to figure out what works for their family and kind of works for their makeup and their nature. And, and then when you think of like women and their gifting, so like what we're talking about, like you were talking about like the writing and the speaking and the creating with words and things like that. As image bearers, we are full fully formed human beings. And so we are not the sum total of the one thing that we do. So I am a wife and a mother and a church member and a writer and a daughter. And so depending on my season of life, some of those things get more priority than the other. Like obviously my children get the bulk of my priority because of their ages, but that doesn't mean that the other part of me gets pushed aside because I'm still required to steward what God has given me. And so recognizing that and then trying to fit that into life looks different for every family. So that's kind of how
0: I think through that. Yes. Oh, so good, Courtney. Thank you. And that leads us into um, expectations of women. Your second book is called Accidental Feminists, Restoring Our Delight in God's Good Design. Feminism has been making a lot of waves lately and this being uh, early 2019, when we're recording this, we're seeing the feminists of our mother's age, our grandmother's ages, coming back in full force to remind us as young women now what they fought for back then to make women's rights uh, possible. People are still fighting for equal wages and all that, but without getting into that whole thing, what drove you to to write a book about being an accidental feminist and what do you mean by that? Yeah, so
1: um, what really kind of influenced my thinking on the book is how a lot of times with a lot of things we adopt ideas and positions and don't really know why we believe those things and don't really understand historically why those things exist. And so um, I wrote the book largely to kind of help help women uncover some of the feminist ideology that has maybe influenced them that they didn't realize it was influencing them. When I talk about the book now, I also try to help women understand that feminism did emerge because of real injustice. So there were some really bad things happening in society against women. And feminism emerged to combat that injustice. And if we don't acknowledge that, then we are in danger of new ideologies emerging and, and taking its place. And so what I always try to say is that feminism tries to tell women that women are equal and have value. And I 100% agree with, with that statement. And if that is what feminism only is, then I would say, then I'm, sign me up. I am one. But much like I was saying with our work, God has already declared that men and women are equal and have value. And the, the problem is that men and women in the church were not speaking clearly on those things at the time. And so because of that, some other ideology came in and infiltrated society. And Christians can speak really winsomely about the goodness of being male and the goodness of being female. They can do one of two things. They can either adopt feminism because it's kind of the cool thing to do, but also because they really do believe men and women are equal and they think that has a better answer. And what I want to say is the Bible has a better answer than that. I think Christians can also come at it and think that feminism didn't accomplish anything good. And it did accomplish some good things. It's, I mean, the fact that we can even do a podcast like this and talk publicly is because feminism came about and we can be thankful for the results of feminism while still saying that the Underlying ideology is wrong, because the underlying ideology is that God's word is not true, and that I am my own authority. And we know that's not true. The Bible says that's not true. No one is their own authority. That's kind of what I want, wanted to get at is helping women see some of these underlying ideologies that that maybe you think you can have it all. You think that you don't have any authority over your life. You think that marriage and children are not a good gift, or that they can be delayed. Things like that. Mm hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and there are, um, I think, ways that even within our marriage, too, if we're trying to live as a practical family, I mean, you know, for the sake of what we're doing here in our audience here, and we're trying to make sense of, okay, my worth, but then when I feel unappreciated and unnoticed, um, does that devalue my work? No, it doesn't and then within relationships specifically like within our marriage right i have found myself very hurt when my husband doesn't acknowledge what i do oh. and and at the end of the day it's like gosh jen where does that come from and are you finding your worth and value in your marriage and it's like well yeah i mean you, you know our marriage is is God ordained and and it's a reflection of our relationship with god just like our parenting is with our kids right But still, even if you're married to another wonderful Christian person, you still have to make sense of this for yourself, right? It comes back to like, well, who does God say that I am? If this other, you know, fallible human being that I live with is not seeing my worth, that does not make me unworthy.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: We're both chasing that together, right? Like we're we're both needing to be um, submissive to God in that, in our roles. And believe that we are a hundred percent equal in value. We just are serving God differently in different departments in life and that's okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And some of the greatest difficulty, I think we endure as men and women is owing to the fact, I mean, you can learn a ton about the world from Genesis one through three. So you can learn a ton about how things are supposed to be and a ton about how things, why things are not the way they're supposed to be. And so men and women from the beginning have been at enmity with one another. And so God intended for us to fully understand each other. And we don't because we live in a broken world. And so, yeah, they're not going to always appreciate the work that, that we do. And we're not always going to fully understand them and be able to honor them in the work that they do. And that's part of living in a broken world and living this side of the fall, which is really unfortunate, but
0: yeah, and I, and I love how you touch on that as well. That how we feel about our work is tends to be the difference, right? Because sin has sort of come in and affected everything. We we're either bored of the work that has to be done at home. You know, I I found myself thinking, gosh, I can't just stay at home and clean the house all day and take care of kids. I mean, yeah, I love them on their on their mommy, but is this it? You know, yeah, and many women have thought that is this really it? And and we feel really bad for for not liking the work. So we can either be bored of it, we can hate, straight up hate it, or we can idolize it and seek be Martha Stewart and try really hard to check all those boxes and, and prove ourselves as the best homemaker. But what is the problem with that when we respond to the work in that way?
1: I've fallen victim to both of those things. And the problem is, is the work has become God. When we're bored in the work, We fail to understand that we live in a broken world. And so because we live in a broken world, work is going to be boring sometimes. And that has no bearing on the value of the work because we will still be working in the new heavens and the new earth. We are sinful people. And so we perceive things to be boring and mundane and ordinary and not fun because of our own sinfulness someday we're going to experience work in a different way and when we're in the new heavens and the new earth what we find boring right now might not feel boring to us because we're going to have new understanding and and transformed minds and be able to fully see the purpose of all of it so making statements about our work being boring or not wanting to do it because it's boring is failing to understand the reality of this is not heaven because sometimes things are going to be boring because we are broken and the world is broken and so either our feelings about it are broken or the work itself is broken. The idolatry aspect goes also along with that is we are working as unto ourselves and not as unto the Lord, as Colossians tells us, we need to be working. And so when we work as unto ourselves, we're a very cruel master. And our mood rises and falls with a completed to-do list and with with a completed workload. I mean, I know I have gotten into bed at the end of the day and have felt like an utter failure for not doing everything I thought I should have done that day. And that's idolatry. That is saying that what I accomplish in a given day is, is determining my worth and value. And that's so antithetical to the gospel, which says that I bring nothing to the table and that it is only Christ's righteousness that saves me and transforms me. And makes me new. And so we are putting something else in the place of God. In the place of of, of Christ's work. So fruitfulness is, is good. Productivity is good. But it's not what saves us. It's a byproduct. So in John 15 and 16. When you see that if you abide in Jesus. You will bear fruit. The fruit comes from abiding. Which comes from depending on him. The fruit is not the point. Faithfulness is the point.
0: Mm, Oh, so good. Love that. The fruit is not the point. The faithfulness is the point. The obedience. And then I love that too in in the book when you uh, emphasize the, the faith part of our walk too is believing that every little menial task that I do now does have significant value. And I love how you focused in on the cleaning, bringing chaos into order. I mean, hey, that's one big reminder that we can tell ourselves when we're sludging through the day, like, really, you know, do I have to do this? And we can talk to another, um, and we, we've talked more in practical family too, about how we can set ourselves up for success in the home. And, you know, there are the, there are the chore charts, but beyond that, it's like, what biblical principles are you bringing to your kids and to your family to be contributors to this home? Because it's not all on mom. It's not all supposed to be us. It's, it's us training our kids in, in righteousness and good works. And so I'm so glad that you've highlighted that point today, which is great. Um, as we wrap up here, what are some practical either principles or action steps that mamas can take to remind themselves that their everyday work is valuable in their home?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I always go back to is remembering that you are created in the image of God. And so by being an image bearer, nothing that you do is in vain. Everything that you do is pointing the world, everyone who sees you back to the God who made you in his image. And when you stop and think about that, the diversity with which he created the world is so incredible and creative and astounding. When you think of the many different gifts and interests and abilities that he's given every person who's lived in this world and who has lived and died in this world, everything that we do matters. The second thing I think is thinking and recognizing that what you're doing is not just for yourself, but for the good of your neighbor. And so that is not, is not just the neighbor outside your home, but the neighbor inside your home and the people who are in your home matter to God. And the work that you're doing loves and serves them. And that the work that you're doing is for the good of the world, even if you can't see it right now. So you are raising people who will one day leave your home and go into the world. And you want to raise contributors and culture makers and people who are going to um, love the world that God has made. I think just remembering that it, it's a long-term goal and not a short-term goal. And I, I, I recognize it's hard. I'm like so early into this like long-term goal thing. <laughs> My kids are young. So I am often speaking in theory, but the biggest thing is recognizing that you're an image bearer. And so whether your children are o- older or, or grown, whether your work is inside the home is all consuming or, or not, the everything that you do is to bring glory to the God who created you in his image. And that transforms how we work in every sphere that we're working in.
0: You've been listening to The Practical Family Podcast, episode 56, and my conversation with Courtney Reisick, author of Glory in the Ordinary and Accidental Feminist. To find out more about Courtney, visit her website at CourtneyReisick.com. That's Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, R-E-I-S-S-I-G.com. You'll find out more about her ministry to mothers there. Pick up her books or click on our show notes to get resources available there and things that we've mentioned in this episode. And don't forget to visit practicalfamily.org. Sign up to be in our community. Get notified when new articles and new podcasts come out, as well as some fun and awesome giveaways. And join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Practical Family Podcast. This has been Jennifer Bryant, and we are here to encourage you and families like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes.